tidings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Good Tidings Radio Broadcast. I am your radio pastor, David Pinkerton, and I'm accompanied today by my lovely wife, Dorinda, here in the studios of WXAN Radio. Here on the windswept hills of Ava, Illinois, we are so glad you're tuned in. If you're listening regionally, that's 103.9 on the FM dial. Or if you're listening by way of the internet, we're www.wxanradio.com. And when the page pulls up, click on Listen Live. Notify your friends. Let everybody know that the Good Tidings radio broadcast is on. Now, I want to let you know, folks, that we're grateful to be part of this ministry. I want you to pray for Brother Danny and the good folks here. Support this ministry prayerfully. Support it financially. And tell others about their great programming and the wonderful music, gospel music, on the WXAN radio format, okay? Then we're glad you're tuned in every Saturday, 11 o'clock Central Standard Time, to the Good Tidings radio broadcast. So I want to make a quick announcement. I will be at the J-City Church tomorrow in Johnston City, Illinois. J-City Church. You can live stream at jcity.com. Uh, the service begins at 10.30 in the morning on Sunday mornings. runs till about 11.30. Live stream us. Better yet, come and be with us. That's at 10.30 in the morning. J City Church, Johnston City, Illinois. We would be glad to see you. You'll receive a very warm welcome. If you're looking for a place to visit, we preach and teach the Bible there without apology. We worship Jesus Christ and glorify Him in all that we can do. So come and be with us there, all right? Open your Bibles today, if you would, to Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 20. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 20. You know, there's a lot of talk about uh, mediators nowadays, go-betweens. You've heard about people being a mediator or a go-between. What really is a mediator? Well, today I want to speak to that very point about a mediator between God and man, a mediator between God and man. And our actually our text verse is going to be the primary verse will be 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. And then our secondary verse will be Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 20. A mediator between God and man. 1 Timothy chapter 2. In verse number five, I want to give a shout out today to Mr. Brett Pinkerton in Buffalo, New York, Dorinda and I's son, and he tunes in and listens in to us when he can. And Bud, we love you. We're grateful for you. Looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks, the good Lord willing, and are excited about that. So uh, Brett Pinkerton, that's the shout out. He's our shout out today. First Timothy chapter two and verse five, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 20. I've seen a chart of uh, some listed 250 various names and titles given to the Lord Jesus throughout the Bible that There's around 250 given to him throughout the Scripture. He's called Alpha. He's called Omega. He's called the Advocate. He's called Altogether Lovely. He's called the Bright and the Morning Star. 
He's called the Rose of Sharon and the Lily of the Valley. He's called the Word. He's called the Root and the Offspring of David, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and on and on and on. Well, one of the many titles given to our Lord in the Bible is a word found in today's text, Mediator. Mediator. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. What is a mediator? Well, a mediator is a middleman. He or she is the go-between. He or he's the one that comes between two parties to help two parties reconcile their differences. Back in a former former days, some of you will understand this. Uh, Mr. Henry Kissinger was a mediator in the Vietnam crisis. More a little, little closer this way was President Carter. He was a mediator at one time between Anwar Sadat of Egypt and the Prime Minister Menachem Begin of Israel. And due largely to his efforts, those two countries had a peace treaty. Now, the Bible teaches us that there's one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. You see, we're making a point of this today because the Spirit has led us, but also there's a lot of confusion in the world today about religion. Religion says there's a certain papal person, a pope. There's somebody else who can stand in the middle for you and be the mediator, but not according to the Bible. Amen. And our only source of information is, is the King James Bible. That's what we use. We preach and teach from it. We don't have an additional word of anything else. We use this Bible solely and unapologetically. But the Bible says there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So with the time we have left, let's take a look at a few things about a mediator and consider the topic of a mediator between God and man. Number one, a mediator is called is called in when two parties have differences that cannot be easily settled. Between God Almighty and the human race, there was such a problem. In the beginning, God created man in his own image, in his own likeness, and he placed only one prohibition before the man. He said in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You see, Adam disobeyed God, and he ate from the forbidden tree. And as a result, he became a sinner and plunged the entire human race into sin. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Well, what happened to Adam in the Garden of Eden some 6,000 years ago, folks, has happened to every human being. Every offspring of Adam has inherited the sin nature and the penalty that goes along with it. Suppose I uh, place a sheet of paper inside my Bible and then mail the Bible to New York City. What happens to the sheet of paper? Well, the same thing that happens to the Bible to the Bible by virtue of the fact that that paper is in the Bible. Suppose I throw the Bible into the fire. What happens to the paper? 
the same thing that happens to the Bible by virtue of the fact that the paper is in the Bible. Here's my point I'm trying to make, and that is this. 6,000 plus years ago, when Adam sinned, every one of us was in him because no children were born before the fall. Adam's sinful condition and his fall included the whole human race because we're all the descendants of Adam. Let me give you this another illustration. Suppose my father had died before I was born. Where would I be? I would have died in my father. Where would our, my son be today had I died in my father? He would have died in his father also. You see, Adam did not die physically the day he disobeyed God, but he died spiritually. You see, death is separation. Physical death is the separation of the soul and spirit from the body. And the spiritual death is the separation from man, of man rather, from God. Get this. The spiritual death is separation of man from God. Genesis 2, 17. God said to Adam, For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Because of Adam's sin, God drove him from the garden, and he separated him from God. This is a spiritual death. And in that sense, every person who has not trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior is dead spiritually. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. You see, two parties have a difference they cannot settle. On one side, you have Adam, a sinner, separated from God with no way to get back. On the other side, you have God who loves Adam and wants him back. However, God cannot overlook the fact that Adam has sinned. God is just and cannot sacrifice his justice on the altar of his love. So God created Adam so that he could fellowship together with him. But something went wrong. There is a difference. God would like to say, Adam, come back. I know you disobeyed me. I know you have sinned, but I want you back. I want it to be like it used to be. I want us to have fellowship once again. But God couldn't have him back because justice had to be satisfied. See, there's a difference between there, there was a difference that could not be settled. A mediator was necessary between God and, and Adam. Now, a mediator is not called on trivial matters, only on things that are of major importance. And this business of our separation from God is not a trivial thing, friend. Amen. It's a major importance. Amen. If something is not done about it, then humanity goes to hell and the place of fire and torment and suffering. Amen. And we will be there forever and ever. A mediator is necessary. So number one, as we consider a mediator, a mediator is called when two parties have differences that cannot be easily settled. Number two, consider this about a mediator. A mediator takes into consideration the interest of both parties. See, he is not one-sided. When President Carter was mediating between uh, President Anwar Sadat of Egypt in the 70s and Prime Minister Menachem Begin, he went from one to the other considering the interests of both. Now in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says, Now a mediator is not a mediator of one. Our mediator, folks, Jesus Christ, not only considers the interest of God, but he considers the interest of poor, lost sinners. And oh, my, oh, my, do we thank God that he does. 
Adam had sinned. His sin separated him from God. For him to have a right relationship with God, Adam's sin had to be paid for. He could not turn back the clock and start over. He couldn't do away with the sin. He had a problem. You see, all men are sinners. Suppose I say to you, now in order to be reconciled to God, you have to undo all the wrong that you ever did. Not a single person could go back and change one thing. We need a mediator. A soldier could lay dying in the battlefield. The captain knelt by his side, took the soldier soldier's head in his hand, and looking him in the eye, asked, Son, can I do anything for you? The soldier answered, Sir, I don't need someone to do something for me. I need someone who can undo things that have been done. Now, wait a minute. Don't we all have some things we wish we could have undone? Haven't we all said things we wish we could retract? Don't we wish we could go back and undo the whole thing and put it back like it was before? Adam sinned. He was separated from God and could not go back and undo what was done. The mediator considers the interests of the sinner. He doesn't want us to pay for our sins. He knows that if we do, we'll have to go to hell and be eternally separated from God forever. But the mediator must also consider the interest of God. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man. Why is that? Because God is just. He's fair. And a just God said sin must be paid for. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. So, On God's side, justice must be satisfied. On man's side, the sinner must be justified. So here's a difference that seems impossible to settle. But thank God, folks, we got a mediator. Hallelujah. That mediator must satisfy the justice of God and the justice or and justify the sinner at the same time. And our mediator, Jesus Christ, did both. You see, some 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus took all the sins of the world and he bore him in his own body on the tree. 1 Peter 2.24 Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Isaiah 53.6 says The Lord hath laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all. When Christ died on the cross, he died for the sins of the whole world. First John chapter 2 and verse 2. That's the greatest truth, folks, that will ever course through your brain. Every sin that you've ever committed since you were a child and up to the age of accountability on and have ever committed have already been laid on Jesus Christ. Martin Luther said, and I quote, At Calvary, Christ became the greatest of all sinners because he was bearing the sins of every individual. End of quote. Since Jesus took the sin of the whole world, now any and every believing sinner can be justified. Romans 5.1 Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The mediator not only made justification possible for the sinner, but he satisfied the justice of God as well. His death on the cross made the full payment that God had demanded for humanity's sins. And God showed his satisfaction with the payment by raising Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. The resurrection. What a Savior. The mediator took into consideration the interests of both parties, and he satisfied the interests of both. Now, folks, there's absolutely no reason for a sinner to stay away from God. 
Jesus' death on the cross makes salvation possible to all men. First Peter 3.18, For Christ hath also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. This is not something he promises to do. It's something that he's already done, folks. It's done. It was done 2,000 plus years ago at Calvary's cross. So Jesus is the mediator between God and between man. Thirdly, let's consider as we consider a mediator, a mediator for a mediator to be successful Both parties must be willing to be reconciled to each other. When reconciliation between Egypt and Israel was being considered, there had to be a willingness on both part of both presidents, Anwar Sadat and Prime Minister Menachem Begin. I'm going back to the 70s here. There had to be interest on both sides. If both had not been willing, there would have never been a peace treaty. And in order for a mediator to be successful, there must be a difference that can be removed. And there must be a difference which both are willing to have removed. Is God willing to be reconciled to sinners? Is he willing to save sinners? Thank God we don't have to wonder about that. The Bible makes it very plain. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. First Timothy 2, 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. If you go to hell, it will not be because God wasn't willing to save you. If you go to hell, it won't be because you could not have been saved. If you go to hell, my friend, it will be because you are not willing to come to Christ. If God had his way, everybody in the world would be saved. Nobody will ever look out of hell and say, God, I wanted to be saved, but you weren't willing for me to be saved. Folks, I get excited thinking about that. I don't know why, but God is willing. Revelation 3.20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him. Wait a minute. Both parties must be willing. What about you? Listen, friend, are you willing today? Are you willing to trust Christ as your Savior? The mediator, Jesus Christ, he settled the difference for you. He bore your sin in his own body. He satisfied the justice of God. God's willing to receive you. Now it's up to you. The only thing that stands between you and salvation is your free will. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens, under her wings, and ye would not. Matthew 23, 37. What do he say? Ye would not. Revelation twenty two seventeen. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever. What's the next word? Whosoever will. Let him take the water of life freely. In John chapter 5 and verse 40, Jesus said plainly and unmistakably, And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Isn't that sad? It's not that you can't come to Christ, but it's that you won't come to Christ. If you're listening to Dorinda and I today and this message, my friend, God wants you to be saved. Amen. 
and no one beyond no one can stop you from being forgiven of your sins and going to heaven when you die except yourself. Jesus has done the work. God plainly received the work of Jesus on your behalf. And to make it yours, the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All you have to do is receive the gift. It's no different like you would receive a gift at Christmas. If Dorinda buys me a gift, gets a gift wrap, brings it and offers it to me, I have one of two decisions to make. Either I'm going to receive the gift and take it and make it mine, or I'm going to push it back and push it away and reject it. And that's all you can do with a gift, receive or reject. Will you receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ right now today? Or will you push it away and reject it? Many of you have been rejecting it for years. And as we preached last week on the unpardonable sin, you're committing it. You better get right with God while you got a desire and you got a chance. Now's the day. Today's the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, in other words, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. Come to trust Christ and be saved today. The Bible says the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth say, come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. In John 540, Jesus said plainly and unmistakably, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Isn't that sad? It's not that you can't come, but that you won't come. Do you know why people go to hell? Because they will not come to Jesus Christ. And today, God is telling you, begging you. He's done everything he can do. The way is paved. It's done. Will you come to Christ? Suppose I had an incurable disease and the doctor gave me five weeks to live. But during this five-week period, a doctor somewhere in the world discovered a cure for my disease. About a week before I was to die, the doctor comes in and said, here's some little tablets and said, said, uh, Mr. Pinkerton, I'm so happy to inform you that Two weeks ago, I discovered a cure for your particular disease. Now, all you have to do to get well is take these pills. And I'd say, oh, no, I don't want to take those pills. Besides, I've got my own ideas of of how I can get myself well. You would say, how idiotic, how stupid, how how, how asinine, how, how complete lack of intelligence would a person be to walk away from that. But, folks, that's what's going on today in our world. Week after week, sermon is preached in the church, going across airways, going across social media, that Christ died for the sins of the world, and you're a sinner, and you can't save yourself, and you're walking away from it. You're rejecting it. What is wrong with you? God loves you. Christ died for you. You can be forgiven. No one can can be saved for you. You must take the water of life freely. You must today invite Christ to be your Savior. And God will save you because Jesus, the mediator, took your place. He paid your debt. He did it for you. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And folks, a mediator's not succeeded if he can't get the two parties together. But in God's plan, Bible plan of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus, a spiritual birth must take place. It's called the second birth, John chapter 3. You must be born again. You're a sinner. You can't save yourself. 
Now, God wants you to be saved. Christian friend, are you telling people how to be saved? Preacher, are you? Are you knocking on doors? Are you handing out gospel tracts? It's not good enough to just post a video on social media. Are you telling people? Are you inviting people in your daily walk and routine to come to Christ? Are you telling them how to be saved by handing them a gospel tract? What are you doing to keep people out of hell? Christ did it, died for the sins of the whole world. He's the one mediator. Today, if you'd like to be saved, follow me in this simple prayer. From the sincerity of your heart, God has done it all. Here it is. Jesus has brought God and man together. He's, he's paid the way for you, friend. Now, if you'd like to be saved, follow me in this prayer. Again, there's nothing magical about a prayer. It's the vehicle that takes your faith and places it in the object of your faith, and that is Jesus. And God saves you by grace freely because of the blood of Christ. Here it is. Follow me in this prayer. Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and save my soul. I'm trusting you and you alone to be my personal Savior and take me to heaven. Now, if you've done that, we want to hear from you. Shoot me an email, drdave13 at gmail.com, drdave13 at gmail.com. We have some information we'd like to share with you and rejoice with you. Folks, Dorinda and I are grateful to be part of WXAN Radio. We're glad and thankful for the Good Tidings Radio broadcast. It is a privilege and a pleasure of ours to bring that to you on a weekly basis because of the courtesy and the grace and the goodness of Brother Danny and the good folks here. So don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. The devil's been trying to shut this radio station down for a long time, and he's still trying because people are getting saved. Lives are changed. People are going to heaven and not hell, and Christ is being exalted. So today, this is the Good Tidings radio broadcast. I am your radio pastor, Dr. David Pinkerton, and we're glad that you've tuned in today. And we want you to keep looking up. Jesus is coming. God is still on the throne. Prayer changes things. And you're more than a conqueror as a Christian through Christ Jesus who loves you. So on behalf of Dorinda and I, have a wonderful day. Good tidings to you all because Jesus is good tidings. Good tidings of great joy. Oh, yes.